I'm excited for what the Lord has for us today. Um, I mean, you pretty much already heard the message, so we can just go home now. You know, it's all good, but no, I love it. Getting unstuck from our yesterdays. I mean, who here is ready to move on, move forward? God has good stuff for us. His plans and purposes are what? To give us a hope and a yeah, he doesn't want to kill you or destroy you, right? He doesn't want to harm you. Yeah. And I'll tell you what, nothing harms you more than trying to move forward in the Lord while you're in the trap of the enemy, right? I mean, that will tear you apart. You will feel it. And so we're getting unstuck today. Today is the day when it ends, when we say yes to the Lord and move forward. Um, just a couple of reminders, this afternoon at 2 p.m., um, at the Royal Valley United Methodist Church, there's a community hymn sing. Um, also, this coming Saturday at 9 a.m., uh, we're um, having someone come in to provide uh, training uh, for sound, learning a little bit of the theory behind why we do what we do, what that button does. Um, so I want to encourage everyone to come on out for that. Um, you know, I appreciate Seth stepping back into the ministry. Beth, she's hanging there as long as she can, but she, they have her working at DeMeo's at noon on Sunday, so that creates a challenge that's right in the middle of worship and Megan she's on her way back from Disney she's in like North Carolina I think at this point on her way back home 20-hour bus ride yeah, you gotta love those right she'll be back this afternoon but we want to make sure that every ministry here at New Hope is fully equipped so that the Lord can just do his thing right so if um so I just want to encourage you to Find a place and get plugged in. I know if you're um, a regular attendee here, you probably received an email with our um, service manual. It's also on the wall as you walk outside here. Um, look for ministries, ways to get plugged in. And if you have a gift or a talent and there's nothing here, there's no ministry for it, let me know because we'll get it started, all right? <laughs> we we want to be moving forward in the Lord. And so um, our regular order of service um, going forward this year is actually going to be announcements, the message, and then worship. Um, and so you've got freedom. Freedom. If you can only hang around for a little bit and you worship a little and head on your way, that's fine. Um, but we want to encourage you to stay. The altars are always open. We have a, an altar team that is trained and equipped. Um, we really want to press in to the Lord this year and make him our dwelling, right? Make him our dwelling place. Um, Psalm 91, nine, or nine, Psalm 91, one from the Amplified tells us that he who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will remain secure and will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty whose power no enemy can withstand. The dwelling of the Lord, it is like no other. This is going to be a crazy, turbulent year. I just, just sense it in my spirit. The Lord has shaken some things up. He is bringing justice to some areas. Um, so it's going to be interesting, and we want to make sure we're staying in that safe security of the Lord. Um, it, it's kind of likened to a, a park pavilion whenever a crazy, raging thunderstorm comes our way. Inside the pavilion, it's dry. You're safe. You're protected. But just take one step outside that pavilion and you're going to be drenched, right? Drenched and the wind's there and you know you could get knocked out by a limb or lightning and all kinds of crazy danger exists. Just that one step away, right? 
That's why we're told to keep step in the spirit, right? To walk in the spirit and to stay under the protection of his covering. In fact, that psalm describes God like he's covering you with his wings, keeping you protected. Um, this week, um, we're going to be continuing and asking ourselves, like, if, if that is the Lord, if he is a safe refuge and dwelling place, why in the world would anyone leave it? If you picture yourself in that park pavilion and there's a crazy downpour and thunderstorm, what in the world could make you walk out into that storm? Out from the safety and protection, right? Oh yeah, kids, we're going to release the kiddos back to Children's Church ages 7 to 12. I'm so sorry. Yes, enjoy your time with the Lord as well. What could make you do that? Well, this year we're starting a whole new message series dealing with one topic. One topic that causes so many of us, we've all, all fallen uh, culprit to this at one point or another, and this is one topic that keeps us stuck like no other. Of course, it's called the grudge, but the real topic is that of offense. Offense. Anybody notice that today's culture is a little easily offended? Anybody, anybody notice that... that this, this um, tool of the enemy, like, it is crazy what he can do through offense. Um, and, of course, we see the bigger picture. If you can keep a people offended with one another, a church, your family members, a community, a workplace, a nation. If you can keep a nation offended at one another and divided, what did Jesus say happens to a divided nation, a divided people? They fall. They cannot stand. So it's no wonder that one of the greatest tools of the enemy is offense. What is a surprise is how often we fall for it, right? But in today's culture, it's crazy. I mean, people are offended by just about anything and everything. It seems like not only that, but other people expect you to read their minds. You need to know everything that offends them. And you need to make sure you don't dare walk near it, right? You need to know all their many offensive triggers and avoid every single one of them. Our culture is overly sensitive, hyperdramatic, and, and really unreasonably loud, right? Unreasonably loud. People are offended. The other people become offended by their offensive offensiveness. I mean, literally, if you accidentally refer to somebody by the wrong pronoun in today's world, it makes national headlines. National headlines, because, and it's happened several times in this past year, because you accidentally called someone by the wrong pronoun. It is, um, just blows me away. I'm not that old, but I, this is not the America that I remember growing up in. Now, now I sound like the, you know, 50-year-olds when I was a teenager. But what is happening? Where have we gone wrong? But to be fair, even if you are super thick-skinned and tough and you're not very easily offended... It's still bound to happen from time to time. Somebody at some point is going to do something to just offend you, to tick you off, you know, because life is hard. And, man, people can be hurtful. Anybody ever get hurt by a person before? Yeah, if you're breathing, you've been hurt by somebody. Let's be honest here. And you've probably hurt somebody too, right? All right, so we go to Luke chapter 17. Luke chapter 17. I'm mixing all kinds of versions today just for fun. Um, Jesus said to his disciples, it is impossible that no offenses should come. That's from the New King James Version. But woe to anyone through whom they come. It would be better for them to be thrown into the sea with a millstone tied around their neck than he should offend one of these little ones. So watch yourself. Those are pretty strong words by Jesus, aren't they? 
Other translations say that no sin should come, you know, or no tripping should come. And we're going to see, you're gonna, we're going to see today why all these different translations, whether it's word for word or whether it's idea for idea, um, have, have translate this word differently and what it really means in the original um, writing. Now, a common application to this scripture, you guys have probably heard it before, is you don't want to offend the little guys, right? The little toddlers and, you know, the youngins, the children, the kiddos. We'll make sure you don't offend them, sin against them, right? Um, in Matthew 18, however, the same account is quoted, and Matthew quotes it a little differently. In Matthew 18, Jesus further defines a little one as anyone who believes in him. Anyone who believes in him. So it's not just a child as in someone under the age of 18, but it's a child as in a child of God, right? Which we all, I think everyone in this room is, a child of God. But Jesus takes offense seriously, right? Tie a millstone around their neck, bottom of the lake, like that's, that's pretty serious. Doesn't sound very Christ-like if Jesus talked about people that way, right? He's saying that's what they deserve. That's what he said. He takes offense seriously. So how are we to respond to this person who deserves to be thrown into the sea with a millstone tied around their neck, right? How do we respond to that person that deserves this? Well, look at the next few verses. If another follower sins against you, warn them. If he's sorry and stops sinning, forgive him. If he sins against you seven times in one day and says he's sorry each time, forgive him. From the New Century Version. It's important for us. It is important for us to do this. And this is really hard for us to do sometimes. To be honest with ourselves. It's important for us to speak up and to let other people know when they offended us. Okay? People can't read minds. They may not know that they did it. They may not have intended to do it. You gotta give people benefit of the doubt. You gotta speak up. You gotta let them know. If another, one, if another follower sins against you, you gotta warn them. You gotta let them know. Go and show. Right? That's... A, Policy at New Hope here forever, because it's found in the scripture here. Go and show them. Otherwise, they may have no idea what they've done. And guess what? If somebody's not aware that they've offended you, they're going to keep on doing it, aren't they? Because they don't know. They don't know that offends you, so you've got to let them know. Um, you know. Um, but you've warned them. You've told them. And they just keep on doing it, right? People like to push buttons, don't they? My wife tells me that I like to push her buttons all the time. I, all right, any, any spouses out there, you just know the buttons to push. <sighs> what do you do when they just keep pushing the buttons and they know that it offends you and they know that it ticks you off and they just keep doing it? Well, Jesus said seven times, you just keep forgiving them, forgiving them, forgiving them. Like, seriously? Well, the apostles struggled with this just as much as we do, responding to offense with forgiveness. In fact, the apostles cried out, increase our faith. Remember, that's how we started out this year before we even talked about the vision. Faith. We got to live and walk by faith. The apostles were saying, increase our faith. They needed faith to forgive repeated offense. They couldn't do it on their own. You can't do it in your flesh, right? We're well aware of this. And Jesus replied, I... I tell you the truth, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea and it will obey you. In Matthew, it's, you, know, the, the, you can tell the mountain to flee and it will be uprooted and, and go. You know, and we love to use this verse in the context of, of radical faith. 
of radical obedience to the Lord, doing something crazy, right? You know, tell this mountain to move and it'll be moved. But the whole context of this is forgiveness. Because forgiveness becomes rooted in our lives. That's why Jesus says, tell that mulberry tree to get uprooted and go. You got to get those roots out of your life. Otherwise, oh, they, they, they get all snared up and entangled and your life gets snuffed out. You are the one who suffers. He says, it's easy. You just need faith the size of mustard seed. Tiniest seed there is. And you can do it. You can do it. You can forgive people repeatedly. It's just interesting here because the apostles, if you saw what they did, Jesus gave them authority, right? And sent them out. They were able to cast out demons, heal every sickness, every disease. You know, they were able to go out and to do all these miraculous things by the authority that Jesus gave them. But when it came to forgiving offense, they're like, no, 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 no. <laughs> Jesus, we need more faith. We need more faith to do this. This is crazy talk here, right? I mean, Jewish culture, and you can quote it from the Old Testament, Jewish culture was eye for an eye. Give them what they deserve, all right? They slap you, we'll just smack them right back. And Jesus came and he did this radical teaching of, you know, if they steal your coat, give them your shirt as well. If they, they forced you to walk a mile, pff, stroll along an extra mile. Like this crazy, radical teaching. But why would Jesus require us to forgive someone by who his own admission deserves to wear cement, how's the saying go, cement shoes, you know, and get sunk to the bottom of the sea? To die a horrific death. Jesus said that's what they deserve. It would be better for them if a millstone was hung around their neck and they, they dropped to the bottom of the sea. And then Jesus says, forgive them. Like, it just, it just sounds contradictory. It's a hard teaching. Why does Jesus say forgive them? Why would Jesus teach this? Well, to start twice in the New Testament, this is the Old Testament scripture that is quoted. Deuteronomy 32, 35. The Lord says, it's mine. To avenge. It ain't yours, says the Lord. Twice in the New Testament, this Old Testament verse is quoted. Vengeance is God's. Choosing to avenge an offense ourselves, to get them back, to repay them for their wrongdoing, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. Literally, you're stealing from God when you do that. You're stealing from God. God says, that's mine. And stealing from God's a pretty bold move for anyone to do. God says, no, 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 vengeance on them is mine. I see what they deserve. I see what they did there. I know what's happening. It's his. But the more important issue at hand is our own condition. God will administer justice to those who sin against us. He's a just God, right? And if you forget about how he treated your sin and how seriously he takes sin against God and against his people, I mean, just look at this empty thing hanging up here, right? Jesus nailed it to the cross. I mean, he takes offense and sin against us very seriously. But the more important issue at hand is our own condition. God wants to heal our hurt. He is more concerned about you. Yes, he's concerned about the person who sinned against you and offended you. But he's more concerned about you and your condition. So what is offense? What is offense? By definition, it's the Greek word scandalon, right? If you've ever, well, we'll talk about it later here. But liter what this word literally means, it is defined as the movable stick or trigger of a trap. Any impediment placed in the way and causing one to stumble or fall. 
This is literally what it is. When, when the word sin against or offend, as we find here in Luke 17, is quoted, in, in our language, it's really hard to find a, an English word to translate. So, you know, the, the, the translators of the, our scriptures today chose offense and sin and stumbling block and these kind of ideas and concepts. But in the Greek, this is literally what it is. It's, it's you know, what, when you get those small little critters in the house, wintertime in western Pennsylvania, right? What, what this literally is, it's that little trigger on that mousetrap that you put the, the peanut butter or cheese or whatever you choose to trap them in. That's what this is. That's what a fence is. It's a trap. It's a snare. Right? And what happens, well, unless you got little mice like we had back in the day, what typically happens when something chooses to mess with that tiny little trigger in the middle of a trap? Right? I chose not to offend people and show you it happening live. I, I got some, some video back in the day of me slaughtering some mice, and it's fun. But, um, yeah, it's not pretty, is it? And guess what? When that trap went off, didn't hurt me at all, did it? I set the trap. Didn't touch me one bit. But, man, was that mouse feeling it, right, for just a split second. That is what offense is. Now, in the Old Testament, it's the Hebrew word pa. Pretty easy to say, right? Yeah, and then getting this from the, um, there's a cross-reference. There's an Old Testament quote found in Romans 11.9 where we translate it to offense, and it's the, the Hebrew word pa, which literally is a trap, a snare, a source or agent of calamity. Something that causes you harm, to fall. We're not just talking about harm, not just like bruising your elbow and skin in your knee. We're talking about a trap and a snare that is intended to destroy you, to destroy your life. That is what offense does. It, offend, it, it destroys you, the offended, not the one who caused it, right? Think about this literally. If you've ever trapped animals in your life, you understand that you set the trap, you put the scent in there. When that animal gets caught, it doesn't hurt you one bit. It, you know, it doesn't. But we look at it that way. So we're going to continue on here. So dwelling in the Lord. This is one of the very, very first things that the Lord desires to deliver us from. This is so cool. I didn't see this until afterwards. I'm like, oh, God, you know what you're doing. This is awesome. Psalm 91.3, right? Oh, yeah, we, we've all seen that. I don't know. I grew up on Wiley Coyote and the Roadrunner. It's that right there. That, this, that's, that's a fence, okay? And it's just not good. Psalm 91.3, surely he will save you from the fowler. And that's the Greek word, uh, Hebrew word, and I can't pronounce it. Yakios. It's, you know, you got to kind of sound like you're spitting something up to pronounce it correctly. But it's a trapper, a bait layer, to save you from the fowler's snare, which is the word pa, a trap, a snare. That's the first thing that dwelling in the Lord does is it saves you from offense. It saves you from the fowler's snare. It keeps you from being offended. We got to remember to see offense as God sees it. It's a trap. Don't take the bait. It's only going to lead to hurt. It's only going to steal from your life. It is going to literally still kill and destroy you. It's what it's going to do. So don't allow the bait of offense to ensnare you and drag you out of the safety of the Lord's dwelling place and get you tripped up in life so that you can't move forward. And you get stuck there. Remember where the true battle lies, right? Ephesians 6. And remember where the true battle lies. The offense 
I almost guarantee it came through a person. It came through their sinning against us. However, there's a far bigger picture in motion, right? Our struggle. It's not against flesh and blood. They may have set the trap, but that's not truly who owns the trap. Rather, it's against the rulers, authorities, powers of this dark world. Against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. That's where the battle lies, in the heavenly realms. Therefore, we put on the full armor of God, so when the day of evil comes, you'll be able to stand your ground. And after everything else, what are we called to do? To stand. To stand. It's the easiest fight ever, right? You stay in the pavilion. You don't go out in the downpour, in the thunderstorm. Why would you do that? Well, they offended me and they deserve it. Like, just, you know, that's what lures you out of there. To stand. To stand in the dwelling of the Lord. To let him fight your battles. To let him avenge. It's his anyways. Man, this sounds so easy, but we all know how hard this is. We stand, and after we've done everything, we stand in the dwelling of the Lord. That's where he's calling us to be. Now, if you've ever, if you want to dig more into this, like I'm barely scratching the surface of this topic. And we're only talking about one part of it today. Talking about other parts of it next week and the week after. But um, if, if you need another resource, John Bevere, he wrote a book called The Bait of Satan. You may have read it before. Amazing, amazing resource. Learning about how God views offense. The scandal on, this, this, this trap of, literally it is, the bait of Satan. I mean, he, he wants to take you out. And offense is a great tool. He loves offense. Loves to divide people. I mean, it's just, it's a fun tool because it really is fun. It's just like you and the peanut butter on the mousetrap. You set it and you just stand back and you know it's coming. You're just waiting for the right moment. Then it's like, oh yeah, I gotcha. You know, and then you're stuck. <laughs> That's all the enemy has to do. Just lay the bait and wait for the right time and guaranteed you're going to walk into it, right? If you've ever trapped, here's, here's a picture. Here's a picture from God's perspective. If you've ever trapped an animal, if you've ever went out trapping, I know, I heard it. The poor little puppy! Oh! I, I avoided using a kitty cat, okay? And I really had to work to find pictures of an animal caught in a trap that were PG. It's not pretty, right? But if you've ever trapped and you come up and you find an animal, an innocent animal that accidentally got caught in your trap. You know, you laid out a trap and you're wanting, you know, you're wanting to catch whatever, a fox, and you end up finding you, you caught a someone's puppy dog, you know, instead, and they got the collar and the ID and everything, you're like, ah, oh. you know, the sinking feeling in your stomach, if you've ever done this before, you know, and you come up on that, um, you know, and I know that picture may have offended you, but, you know, I mean, how about this dog caught in the trap, right? Um, there you go, there you go, is that, is that better for everyone, is that a little less offensive? A poor puppy dog caught in a trap, right? Yeah, and I had to keep it PG, so I didn't show the whole bra, I don't want to, I don't want to be a stumbling block and cause anyone to fall into sin, right? <laughs> it's, that, that's a little better, isn't it? An animal caught in a trap, yeah. You just want to set them free, don't you? Well, tough, because we need to get a real picture of what a fence looks like. It hurts. It's not cute and cuddly. It wants to kill you, destroy you. Now, for that innocent animal to begin healing from the wound that is inflicted by the trap, what needs to happen first? Yeah, you got to let them out of the trap. <laughs> hey, 
Anybody ever come up on an animal and try to let it out of a trap? <laughs> That's the Lord trying to deliver you. <laughs> right? Whew. But you're right. The first thing that a wounded, innocent animal caught in this trap needs to happen is that trap needs to be opened up. The animal can't heal while it's still caught in the trap that's injuring it, right? And I'll tell you, that's offense with a lot of us. Somebody handed you a knife and you keep stabbing yourself with it and wondering why you can't heal. The Lord's like, just give it to me. Please, hand over the knife. I know they gave it to you, but stop killing yourself with it. That's what offense is. Somebody else hands you the weapon and you use it to destroy yourself. See it from the Lord's perspective, that's what it is. Now that animal isn't really looking to get set free from the trap. In fact, when, when you come up on it and you come near that animal, that animal wants to inflict the same hurt or worse to the bait layer, right? That animal will come at anyone or anything that comes near them with claws and teeth bared. They're hurting, and when you come up on them, they think you're the one that's hurting them. And they come at you. They lash at you, right? And the way that we look at this from our perspective is the reality that hurt people hurt people. Hurt people hurt people, right? When people are caught in this trap of offense, and it's usually not just one offense. Usually this person is all caught up. All four paws are caught in it. You know, oh, I'm, I got to share a little story. Like, um, at one point, a family member decided to use a sticky track for mice. And then she found that mouse, and of course the mouse is still alive, but man, it is all, you know, balled up in that goo and glue, and it's like, ugh, that's messy, isn't it? That's usually how we get with a fence. The more we try to get out of it, the worse we get into it, right? You can't set yourself free on your own. The more that that animal tries to pull out of the trap, the worse it gets hurt, right? In fact, you may find that it's very common for some animals to actually gnaw their own paw off to get out of that trap. A very common thing that animals will do. They will hurt themselves trying to get free from it. That's offense from the Lord's perspective when we get caught up in it. Now, let's say that trapped animal was able to get its revenge, Right? Let's say that animal was able to find the human that set the trap because after all that person may have maliciously intended to capture and injure that, that innocent animal, right? So as that person gets near the trapped animal, oh, that's so hurt. And it's like, mm, 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 you know, it's so, and they're like, oh, that poor little puppy dog. And so you go up and you're like, hey, buddy, it's okay. I'm here to help. And as soon as you get near that trap, that dog's like, ah, and it gets you. It grabs you by the throat and ends you. And I, I won't show that on the slide for, for, you know. That's what hurt people do. <laughs> they act like victims, and they are victims. But hurt people hurt people. Hurt people hurt people. But let's say that animal does this. At the right moment, it lunges, it, it kills that animal. That's what they deserve, right? To have a millstone hung around their neck and drowned at the bottom of the ocean floor. That animal might sense a tremendous victory at first, right? Yeah! Huge victory. I hurt the person who hurt me. I killed the person. It got revenge, right? Why does God not want us to get revenge? What happens to that animal? Okay, he got his revenge. 
He's still in the trap. And now he killed the one, the only one that could set him free. Do you understand why offense is so huge to the Lord? Think about it that way. Even if you get your revenge, you will still be hurt and trapped and snared. And I'm telling you from personal experience, if you have ever lived a life offended by somebody and then they passed away, man, that's really hard to resolve that offense, isn't it? Even when they're dead and gone, that offense is still just as alive in your life. It's a trap. It's a snare. Revenge solves nothing. May make you feel a little better. Let's be honest. We all live in this flesh. I know we're spirit-filled, spirit-led people, but it kind of gives you a little sense of, you know, of glory whenever, you know, someone who hurt you hurts themselves, you know, but... In the end, you're still trapped. You're still hurting. God wants to heal us. The first step is to let go of the trap, right? Let go of the trap. Let go of the desire to get revenge. Because as long as we hold on to them, we continue to hurt ourselves. And it is impossible, impossible to be healed. If somebody hands you a cinder block of offense and you just keep smacking it on your foot... You're never going to get healed because you keep re-injuring yourself, right? Offense. Offense is all about response. Offense is all about response. we got to let go and give it to God. I've heard it likened to holding on to a scorching hot pan, right? While you're waiting for the offender to get hurt. Or, or drinking poison and waiting for the offender to get sick and to die. That's what unforgiveness is like. It just sense but forgiveness is how we let go forgiveness is how we let go it is a gift of God forgiveness is a gift a gift to yourself a gift to yourself I remember whenever our little kids used to do Christmas shopping and they had a little Santa's workshop you know you'd give them 20 bucks to buy gifts for everybody and you know I'm not saying any of my kids ever did this, but they come back with like a $10 gift for themselves and, you know, and the 50 cent bouncy ball for all their family members, you know. This is one you get to give to yourself. You get to give the best gift to yourself. Forgiveness. And of course, we tremendously value forgiveness. When God extends it to us, right? When he forgives our offenses, we love it. Oh, you feel the weight of your sin left. You literally feel like you're set free because according to the word of God, when he forgives your sin, you have been set free. And we love freedom in this house. There is freedom where the spirit of the Lord is. But we don't like forgiveness so much when it's ours to give. We love it when it's God's to give to us. But it's so tough for us. And that's why to become a Christian, you first got to understand what you're being saved from, what you're being delivered from. You got to understand the weight of your sin and the true cost of it before you can really be forgiven and start your walk with Christ. You got to understand what you're being saved from. Because all of us are ones who deserve to have a millstone hung around our neck and put on the ocean floor. In fact, that would be better than what we deserve. I mean, we deserve the lake of fire. We, we deserve it. We do. But 
good news of the gospel is Jesus took on the curse so that we might be blessed. He died that we might live. He, he took our place. He descended to hell so that we get to just live forever in the presence of God, starting now, here and now. Forgiveness is how we let go. All right? It's a gift of God. Colossians chapter 3, verse 13, bear with one another. Okay? God knows it's tough. God knows it's tough. He bears with you. You know what he told the Israelites? If I got to be with you for even a day, I'll kill you. I'll destroy you. You are a stiff-necked people. You get on my last nerve. I'm, that's the Steve Cromer version of the Bible. But he used some pretty rough terminology. He knows how tough we are to deal with. That's why the scriptures are clear about this. It doesn't sugarcoat it. Bear with one another. Forgive one another. If any of you has any grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. Right? He's only asking us to do to others what he has done for us. Now, I firmly believe that if you don't have a relationship with the Lord, you can't truly forgive somebody. You can't because you haven't received true forgiveness to be able to give to other people. Everything we give to others, we receive from God. And he is a good, good father who gives good gifts, doesn't he? Woo! Forgiveness! Let's understand forgiveness a little bit. And again, I'm just scratching the, the surface of this subject. Forgiveness, it is truthful and honest about the offense. Forgiveness doesn't sweep it under the rug or downplay it. Oh, it's no big deal. That's what I have a tendency to do in my life. It's no big deal, you know. No biggie, whatever, we're moving on, you know. Forgiveness doesn't do that. Forgiveness is truthful and honest about the offense. That's how Jesus started, right? Millstone, that's what they deserve, but forgive them. Well, what about the second time? Forgive them. What about the third time? Forgive them. Seven times, 70 times in a day. Forgive them. Forgive, forgive, forgive. Because forgiveness is not about them. Forgiveness is about you. Forgiveness is opening the trap. And if they trap you again and you're like, yeah, I can't believe that this happened again. You open it up and it's, it's about you. It's about your condition. It's about your state. It's about you being untouchable by the offender. How cool would that be? Living an unoffendable life. That no matter how much people push your buttons and try to trap you up, they can't do it. I'm telling you, it makes your spouse angry when they're pushing your buttons and you just keep forgiving them and loving them. And what, what, what Paul, I think it was Paul that wrote, he said it puts heaping coals on their head, you know. Be, just be un, un, untouchable, unoffendable. How awesome would that be in life? But forgiveness is truthful. Forgiveness is honest about the offense. It doesn't downplay, excuse, or minimize it. Forgiveness puts, also puts healthy boundaries in place to prevent it from happening again. As much as you can. As much as you can, don't put yourself in a position to be hurt and offended again. Now, drawing boundaries, that's a... I've done so many message series on that topic. It's not something we're going to cover in five seconds here. The hard part of offense is that it lets go of the, of the desire to repay or to avenge. It lets go of that. That's the hardest thing to hand over to the Lord. This allows, however, the past offense to remain in the past. Instead of being dragged along with us into the present and the future. It puts justice back in God's hands, right? And out of ours. Most importantly, it enables God to begin the healing process in our lives. It allows God to finally begin to work in that situation. 
It's literally handing it over to the Lord. He won't steal it from you. Our God's not a thief. He won't steal that relationship or that issue from you. You got to hand it over to him and you do it through forgiveness. Forgiveness also protects us from further offense. It's, it's far easier, far easier to hurt someone who is already hurt and vulnerable, right? It's far easier to ensnare and drag someone off who's already bound in some way. Whenever you come up on an animal caught in a trap, it's much easier to deal with that animal, right? They can't run away. They can't get away. It's easy to hurt someone who is already hurting and vulnerable. A common example of this is someone who gets caught up in the addiction of substance abuse, right? I mean, it's just something that all of us have been touched with in one area of our lives, you know, or another. Think about that. They're caught in a trap, substance abuse. They just can't break free from it on their own. And it may start small, but usually it leads to harder and, and you know, harder drugs, bigger lies. It usually leads to theft. You know, they may have started out with drugs, but now they're stealing to be able to feed that addiction. And they're, they're you know, just lying and cheating and you name it. And it, it leads to all kinds of sin. Sin, what does it do? It gives birth to death eventually but usually to other sin first right it's just it, it's sin it just it's like you tell one little white lie and then you got to tell another lie to cover that line another lie to cover that line then you got to remember who you told that lie to and who you told that lie it's a trap it's a snare it will destroy you ensnared people are vulnerable to further traps and hurt people hurt people which leads to further offense and it's just it's a mess it's a mess and god is calling us to say yes to him to break free from that mess so that he can do a work in your life to heal you. He'll deal with that other person, but he wants to heal you here and now in this very day. Now, after dealing with sin that was being celebrated at the church in Corinth, Paul followed up. He wrote them another letter and he said this. He said, anyone you forgive, I also forgive. This is in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 10 to 11. And whatever I have forgiven, if there even was anything to forgive, I've forgiven in the sight of Christ for your sake. He doesn't even need to know what the sin is. Whatever you forgive, I'll forgive. Let's just, let's just Oprah this thing and everyone gets forgiveness, okay? He doesn't even need to know who it is or what it is. You know, he's, he's writing to the church in Corinth and he's like, just forgive. Just forgive them and I'll forgive them and you forgive them and we'll all forgive everything in the sight of Christ for their own sake. In verse 11, he says this, so that Satan might not outwit us, because we're not unaware of his schemes. We don't need no beta Satan running around in the church, right? We don't need snaps of, of don't you hate it when you go walk on tiptoes and eggshells around people? Because you don't want to offend them, right? God doesn't want his church to look like that. He wants us to be an army with the full armor of God on. So that we don't get so easily offended. So we don't have to walk on eggshells around each other. Right? So that we're quick. We're quick to let people know when they offend us. And we're quick to forgive. And then we can move forward out of the snap and trail of the enemy in freedom. So don't take the bait of Satan. Resist offense. Get some glory instead. Who wants some glory? Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. I'm ahead of myself here. In order that Satan might not outwit us, we're not aware of his schemes. Glory, Proverbs 19.11, it is the one's glory to overlook an offense. Be unoffendable. Get some glory. I, I, like, I like the glory of the Lord. It's good stuff. Can't wait till it manifests itself and we just play in it and it's good times. 
Resist offense. Remain in the safe refuge of God's dwelling. Offense is the very thing that God's dwelling protects us from, right? The very first thing it protects us from. Now, we don't want to be boneheads like this, but hey, you know. It protects us. Protects us from really ourselves. Because regardless Regardless of who the offense comes through, the ultimate one who desires to drag us away from God's dwelling place is Satan himself. So don't take the bait. It's a trap, right? Not today, Satan! Right? Isn't that the the t-shirt that everybody... Yeah, but this is it. Because offense is a choice. May not feel like it. Your flesh is going to tell you it's not a choice. You're offended. But in the kingdom of God and by the grace of God, you have been empowered. To rise above offense. Offense is a choice. And just, I, I love this cool thing. Look at the word responsibility. Responsibility. It's the ability to choose your response. You cannot control the actions of other people. I can promise you today, people are going to offend you. They're going to hurt you. There are some evil, wicked people out there that do evil, wicked, unthinkable things. And even to people they claim to love. It's going to happen. When you walk through this life, you're going to have every opportunity to be offended and to walk in offense. The enemy is going to make sure of it. It's going to happen. We cannot control the actions of others. But we do control and have a responsibility for, sorry, our, um, for our response to them. My response is my responsibilities. When jerks jerk, instead of taking the bait and looking like a hooked trout, forgive them. Swim around it, right? Swim away. Be free. Because jerks are going to jerk. That's what they do, right? But you don't have to be like that fish, like, ooh, 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 you know, that's some tasty bait. I'm going to take that. Look at a fence that way. You don't have to take the bait. You don't have to. You can choose. You know what? The person is a jerk. They deserve to have a millstone. Hung. You're just quoting scripture. You're proclaiming and declaring what the Lord says. They deserve to have a millstone hung around their neck and, and drugged to the bottom of the ocean. They deserve that. But that's the Lord's to give. That ain't mine. And you just walk around it, right? What would, what would our lives look like if we chose peace, freedom, chose the dwelling of the Lord and let him deal with them, hand them over to him, That's your battle, Lord, not mine. I'm letting go of this thing. Let your life look a bit more like like this. And your life will look a little more peaceful and comfortable. A little more like one of the Lord who is in the full armor of him, right? A little bit like this. 